listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, it's good to be with you today and get a chance to open God's Word. We're in the midst of a series, which we're calling The New Normal, which is looking at what would the new normal look like if we centered our lives on God's Spirit and asked Him, what would He want to do in us on the other side of this pandemic? What's He doing us in now to create a new normal? To do this, we've been looking at three really simple principles. And as I've said each week, simple principles are brilliant to guide you through chaotic times. So three simple principles that we've been looking at, like a DNA of our discipleship, how we follow Jesus here are, number one, abide. Abide with Jesus. Any success is actually living as a vine connected to the branch, living close to Jesus, letting his life be our life. Secondly, being renewed by Jesus, becoming more like him the more time we spend with him. And then the last principle, which we looked at last week, and we're going to look at again this week, is going, that we go with Jesus in his mission in the world. Last week, we looked at what it looks like to go individually, to share the good news individually. How do we as disciples take on the mission of Jesus? But I would like to do this week is look at what does it look like to go as the church? And to do this, I want to begin with a verse. This is the verse known as the Great Commission from Matthew 28, which is actually Jesus' commission to really the church. He's saying this to the disciples who are now becoming apostles, which in Greek or comes from the Greek word meaning sent ones. And so he says to the church at its formation this statement. Therefore, it's Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The commission, the giving of the organizing principle, the mission of the church begins with that word, therefore, go. So to go is central to who we are as the people of God. The theologian Emil Brunner said this, the church exists by mission as fire exists by burning. And all of us have this intuitive understanding that the church was put in the world for a purpose. Yet that purpose, that mission, that sense of going is under a number of pressures at this point in time. Before the pandemic began, the church, particularly in the West, in places like Australia, faced the real challenge of sharing the good news in secular culture, in post-Christian culture, which saw itself moving beyond Christianity, of sometimes wanting the fruits of Christianity, but wanting the kingdom without the king. So already the church in the West was facing that reality. But then comes along a second crisis, this pandemic. And what this pandemic does is for a church which is trying to do mission, trying to go at a time where sometimes the soil feels very difficult, it then seemingly takes away our strongest resources, our services, our ability to meet in groups of people. 
And the precise moment that the church feels like it needs to run into its mission, it's like its legs are taken out from under it. And so we see this challenge of the pandemic. We also see the challenge that this is actually putting on churches themselves. Churches around Australia are facing tremendous pressure at this moment. Many churches are seeing their giving going down, their attendance dropping. Even churches in areas where people can do in-person worship, many churches are having much less people come back once they can open again, something that's happening around the world. The Barna Research Group out of the US did a study in the US that is predicting that one in five churches in the USA will close their doors by the end of the pandemic. And this pressure is coming not just against one style of church, but all styles of churches. In Victoria, it's been hard for house churches who can't meet at this time. Smaller churches are finding it difficult. Medium-sized churches are finding it difficult. Large and mega churches are all finding it difficult at this point in time. At the moment that we feel like we need to be going and preaching the good news in this terrain of post-Christian Australia, It feels like we're facing an unprecedented crisis at the exact same moment. And really, I think what this is, is this is what Henry and Richard Blackaby would call a God-sized problem. They describe it in this way. God's assignments have God-sized dimensions. When God asks you to do something you cannot do, you'll face a crisis of belief. You'll have to decide what you really believe about God. Can he and will he do what he has said he will do through you? How you respond to his invitation reveals what you truly believe about God, regardless of what you say. It's from their book, Experiencing God. Now, before the pandemic began, I felt that sense of a God-sized challenge. When I looked at the mission of the church, when I looked at the call upon red, and to see that call at a time like we live in in Australia, when many people look down seemingly, when we look at the media, when we look at sort of what seems like mainstream opinion, look down on the church to imagine and understand that God has a dream for his church to be renewed and to go and to grow That presents you with a God-sized challenge. Bringing up your faith sometimes in certain arenas presents you with a God-sized challenge. So we were already facing a God-sized challenge, but the size of that problem got even bigger. God was calling us to be partners with his mission in the world, but then comes the pandemic, and this is a huge, gigantic God-sized challenge. Now, In some ways, and this is one of those bizarre things that God allows to happen. In some ways, the challenge begins to work with the purposes of God. What I'm saying here is I'm not saying God causes this, but God turns bad to good and he will sometimes use the challenges that come against us as a way of causing us to trust in him more. Now, One of the ways that we've been walking through this series is looking at the reality that we as human beings are divided, in a sense, into three parts, Scripture tells us. We've looked at the way that we have bodies. We move through the world in bodies. We have flesh and we are humans existing in human 
corporal bodies. We also have a soul, this sense, this seat of our ego, our personality, our desires, our thoughts, our ideas, our wants, our viewpoints. We also have a spirit which communes with God, which when sin came into the world, in the garden, when there was the fall, that part of us which communed with God's spirit became deadened and relationship was broken. And so the reason that for the church, I believe there is an opening, a, a moment, an opportunity at this time when it seems like there's an insurmountable problem and it's more feels like we're just about survival versus God's mission is it pushes us back into a proper alignment with God, not just as individuals, which we're in looking at, but the church. The church is this vision that God puts before us of something, his new humanity that he is joining together in the world. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, in him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. It's talking about the church here as a building that you can't see, a new temple in the world rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Here is this vision of the church being grown, even in the midst of a time like a pandemic, into his living temple of his presence in the world with a mission to go out and make disciples of all Nations. Now, when we hear this, most of us will hold that against the reality that we've often experienced of church. And there seems to be a gap. Why is there a gap? Why do so often Christians who promote and, and preach this message seemingly fall from actually living this out, actually living out something which seems opposite? Why do so often churches go wrong. I believe one of the key reasons is the confusion between the spirit and the soul. And we talked about last week and spoken about for the last few weeks, that verse in Hebrews 4.12, where it says the word of God comes to divide soul and spirit. That one of the mistakes that humans make is the soul, which represents us our personality, our thoughts, our feelings, which can have these joyous moments. It can have these deep experiences. It can have its own will. It can seemingly do religious tasks under its own steam, can be confused with actually what is God's spirit communing with our spirit. And so the word of God comes and helps us see where one begins and one ends. God's purpose is that at the top, his spirit will be communing with our spirit, passing on his desires, his will, his word, his way. That then goes into that translation point where our personality then translates that into the world. Our ego becomes you know, submitted to God's actual direction. Our feelings and desires are not running the ship. Rather, they're submitted. We still have feelings. We still have emotions. We still have desires, but they're under the lordship of Christ. And then as humans, that's translated into the world through our hands and feet. I believe that this applies equally to the people of God 
the church. Churches go wrong when churches confuse soul and spirit. When ego gets confused with the will of God. When we mistake our feelings sometimes for what we may think needs to happen. That's the place where dissension comes in. That's where gossip comes in. That comes our own little kingdom of what the kingdom of God should look like. That's where our opinion comes in. That's where we go and do religious things like sit in sermons, go to prayer meetings. But the whole time we're sitting there, we have this soulish view where pretty good sermon, but I would have done it this way. Glad I'm not like those people over there. Gee, I wish my church really knew how to do community like they did at my old church. And slowly but surely, these soulish influences come into a church and they disable its mission in the world. Now, what's tricky is we, particularly if you're a follower of Jesus, are attuned to what sins of the body look like. We can see what sins of the body look like. We know when you're often doing a sin of a body, it's pretty simple, primal and basic. But sins of the soul are far more tricky. You can even do for a long time what looks like God's work under your own steam. You can build a church in your own power, in your own effort. You can gain a following. You can have charisma and personality and brilliance with words and an ability to link spiritual things, but you can still be doing it in your own strength with no spiritual authority. When you as an individual or as a church are quietly waiting on the Lord and the Lord is leading you and you are dependent upon him, waiting upon him, this creates an entire different dynamic for a church where we come in and we put down our opinions. We put down a vision of what that church looks like. We even put down what way we think the church should accomplish its mission. We put down the fact that we feel ourselves better than those people and comparing ourselves to those people over there. We put down our opinions on what the different leaders should be doing or the people who don't come that often and judging them. We put all that stuff down and those voices are quieted and we listen to God's voice. And this is where the three elements of abide, renew, and go begin to work together. When we put that stuff down and go, God, I put down all my preconceptions of what church should be like. I put down all the ego and soulishness that I bring to church. I put that down on the altar before you. And I join with a bunch of people, whether it's in person or watching by screens like we do today, and we place that on the altar before you. And we just want to abide with you. We just want to be with you. Whatever we do as a church, we want to emerge from being connected to the vine. And when you do that, what will often happen is you'll see like, oh my goodness, I was doing that thing in you. Often, not often, so often, in leading red, there have been moments where I've realized that I've done things, sometimes even when I've got praise for it. 
and it's viewed by others as successful ministry that I know deep down inside has actually come from more of a place of my natural talent or my relying on myself and not depending in God. And I know that even though I've got the approval of humans, that God wasn't asking me to do that. And when you do that, you then realize like God invade my life. I give that space to you. I need to be more dependent on you. And we move from abide to renewal. And at this moment, this is the most incredible renewal moment because as the church, all kinds of churches, big, small, lots of money, not so many resources, churches that love how they do their services, other churches that main thing is, oh, we're this tight community, other churches that, you know, are known for being cool or known for this doctrine or whatever it may be. At this moment, all of us have had to put so much stuff that we thought was central on the altar and we're all called at this moment in a place of weakness to depend on him. When we don't know how the bills are going to get paid. When we don't know who's going to turn up on that first service back. When we don't even know what our church looks like on the other side of this. This is a profound moment where we've been pushed into renewal. So that's why I see at this moment, there is this incredible advantage to where we are at, depending on God. Because what that means is we have a real chance for the church in Australia, for the church at Red, to align with God's spirit, to allow the things of the ego, of the flesh to fall, to allow striving to disappear, to allow self-congratulation of what was the last season to define who we are to think back with sentimentality to even what community looked like and what we miss in the last phase. And so as the church abides with Jesus, as we're pushed into this moment of dependency and being renewed by Jesus, made more like him, and we grow and go. A church that is going should always be growing and a church that is growing should always be going. And you see how these three things work together, being propelled forward, almost in this, like a wheel. We abide with Jesus. As we abide with him, we learn his ways. We have to die to certain things, to take up our cross daily, as Jesus said to his disciples. And then we see the heart of God, the heart of God for people to know his love, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, to see who's what breaks his heart, let it break our heart. But then as we do that, we realize that we can't do that in our own strength. Maybe we have success for a season, but then we can start trusting in our own soulish power, our own striving, and then we get to that point, man, I've got to abide again. Abide, renew, go. As we go, we need to abide. We then need to be renewed. And this machine, in a sense, not machine, but this principle moves us forward, becoming more like Jesus and helping and partnering with God in his mission for the world. So I believe in this season, God has done so many wonderful things in the previous season for Red. There's a lot that we can look at, at the incredible way that God has grown us, the different ways he's shaped our congregations, the things he has done in our church. But this moment, we're asked to put them again on the altar. Do not rely on the fruits of the last season to feed us in this season. To again turn to him, abide in him be renewed by him, but then realize, as I said last week, this is all happening at a moment of unprecedented opportunity for the church in Australia. 
for the church in the world, where an existential quest has been opened up in so many people, where the myths are falling and idols are crumbling before us and what looked like a certain world in which you didn't need God is now looking very uncertain and people are asking the question, there must be more than this. And the Holy Spirit is drawing people to Him. We get to step into that moment. This is the moment the church is to actually come alive. And so how do we as red go at this time? What if what seemed like a disruption is actually an incredible opportunity? What if God is actually moving the pieces around, rearranging us to be open to the possibilities what's going to happen next? What if we as a church A church who actually has put aside that soulish ego, our opinions, our thoughts, and we're a church in proper alignment, being led by the Spirit. That's being translated in our unique ways. Red is unique. We're a unique bunch of humans in a particular city, in a particular part of the world at a particular time. There will be a unique expression of what that looks like for red. And with our hands and feet, get to actually share the good news with our mouths, just help the poor, to do Christmas hampers and all of those things at this point in time, which we can do because there's need. But imagine if that is going to happen when actually we're connected to the Spirit. So what that gives us is spiritual authority. We don't need flashier churches. We don't need even churches with the most incredible community ever. We don't need churches with the best worship band ever or the most sophisticated network of house churches ever. We need churches that are centered on the spiritual authority that comes from depending on Jesus himself. That's going to be the only thing that cuts through on the other side. And yes, there will be need for worship. Oh, I don't know what we look like when we come out on the other side of it, but all that stuff is secondary, tertiary, quarterly. What's the fourth thing? I don't know. But there is an opportunity for red on the other side of this. The goal, I don't think, is us to try and go back as much as what we looked like before. The goal is to emerge from this, to operate in this as people closer to Jesus being made anew in Jesus, being renewed by Jesus. And then when mission just becomes an overflow, where we're so in love with Jesus, we can't help telling other people about him. When we're so filled with a culture of generosity that we just want to fill hampers and give them away. When actually community happens, not because we're trying to focus on community and make it a thing for itself, but all we join together, locked arm, looking at the mission that God has for us and move together as one. And as we go together, we grow together under the Lordship of Christ. That's how this is a moment. This is a recalibration. This is a point where we get shown to us what is the mission of this church. On the other side of this, yes, there may be churches that don't make it, but there is going to be a profound opportunity for Red Church to be a church that is alive in God's spirit, preaching his word, dividing soul and spirit, being his hands and feet in the world. Let's grab that and move forward into the future that God wants to have for us in Jesus' name. Let's go as Red Church, following where Jesus wants us to go. Let me pray. God, we put down our flesh.
We put down flesh of the body. We put down flesh of the soul, the ways in which we've used our body in ways that don't, doesn't glorify you. The ways that our ego, our striving, our things of the soul, our opinions, our thoughts of what church should look like, our words that just fill the space when we should be listening to you. And Jesus, we just want to commune with you in our spirit. We want to listen to the still, small, quiet voice. Father, we want to be a church that is positioned and prepared and primed to respond to the incredible opportunity that's happening now and that is going to happen over the next year or two as we emerge from this. Father, may we be a church which has spiritual authority, a group of people going after you with all of their hearts and minds. And may, Father, as we do that, you lead us to where we need to do mission, who we need to talk to, who needs to come to Alpha, who needs to be sent to faraway lands to tell Jesus, tell people about Jesus, to who we need to serve in our community, what we need to partner with. Jesus, go ahead of us in the world. We want to respond to this moment. So we put everything on the altar. And Father, we want to go with you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.